Welcome into Loserville, folks. It is Philip Kingston <clears throat> recording live today with the great Tyler Wade, whose handsome visage I haven't seen in quite a while. <laughs> Been doing all our business remotely. And uh, we're joined by uh, a nice bottle of Spring Mountain uh, Pinot Noir. Um, so you know that the broadcasting is going to be extra good. How are you, Tyler? You know, doing well. Happy to be back in Dallas. I wish the sun would shine and that it would stop raining. But other than that, you know, things have been... There was, uh, what, about five minutes yesterday in the afternoon when that fiery orb appeared in the sky briefly, uh, only to go away. But I wish every day the sun would shine. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Takes me <clears throat> to another place in my mind. <laughs> Are you familiar with the uh, underrated... Um, post-funk band Fishbone? Fishbone. I do not know of Fishbone, no. Fishbone is, has lost its whatever visibility it had for a moment, and uh, it's a damn shame. Best live act I ever saw, ever. And I've seen The Stones, and I've seen wow. to the Chili Peppers, and... Fishbone uh, <clears throat> number one. Fishbone, I for sure. I out a sampling of their The Showcase offerings. Theater in San Antonio in about 1992. Three, maybe 92, um, and they let me sing. Wow. Which is ill-advised. Actually, <laughs> more, to, more correct to say that the enormous gentleman standing next to me who grabbed the mic let me sing. Well, and they weren't going to tell him no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. What do you got? Gosh, we have so much going on uh, since we, we last spoke to folks. I suppose the biggest news of the last week is probably the news that was not, right? So uh, former Dallas ISD Superintendent Michael Hinojosa announcing that he has decided against a run for Dallas mayor, um, which basically leaves the mayor with no high-profile opponent uh, as of this time. Hinojosa um, stepped down uh, what earlier this year, um, but had been touted as sort of a prominent challenger to Johnson since uh, sort of word of his um, resignation or his time ending up at Dallas ISD was coming to an end. Um, he also said, quote, it's been a very busy time for me and my family. It's going to take a lot of work and I'm not afraid of work. Don't get me wrong, but it's difficult to run against an incumbent. Really what I wanted was a better mayor and actually he's become a better mayor so I don't have to do the job myself, end quote. Shut the fuck up, Mike. <laughs> God damn. Okay, so I was never really jazzed about him running, except that I thought he could win and that no one could be worse than Eric Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, to, to, to say something like that and then to say on the basis of no evidence... That he's become a better mayor. That's the thing that left me... Yeah, I, I was really... Uh, and I know it's funny. I was thinking back to the conversation we had had with, with Macy earlier this year... Uh, when she talked about how, you know, she felt like the mayor was doing a great job. And uh, and I know we're harder on Eric Johnson than probably most people are, but I, I just don't know what evidence. I think we, I think can, we have citations. Don't, don't we cite yeah. to evidence? Well, yeah, like what people can point to to saying that he has indeed become a – I mean, unless arguing with city council less – but it hasn't because his personality has changed or his management or leadership style has changed. It's largely because city council has sort of, in my mind, completely derelicted their duty. 
right? That's the only reason why that has been a more amicable relationship. Um, yeah, I have a hard time figuring out what people are referring to when they talk about sort of Eric Johnson's change of heart or his change in demeanor or how he's become a better mayor in the last year or so. Um, I just don't see a lot of evidence. He's been absent that. a lot. I Which, mean, I think that absence is is a form of improvement. Yeah, that's. I always felt like that when people would complain about Trump playing golf all the time. You know, like I always enjoyed when Trump was playing golf because the number of things that he could screw up on the golf course, right, are pretty limited. So I was always a fan of him golfing more, right? So, um, yeah, I. That, you know, yeah. you you've run for office. I've run for office. Typically, people who run for office, there are exceptions, of course, but typically people who run for office run because they feel compelled to run for that office for some reason. Mm -hmm. um, and when they're not compelled to run for that office for a set of reasons, then it typically does make them bad candidates. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, there can be some self-fulfilling prophecy there. But it, it, it I have... I don't know. Being the kind of person who feels compelled to take tackle problems, people who don't have a similar compulsion, I, I don't know. It it's unfair of me, but I don't like them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yes. And, and yeah. Grounding your comment in you know saying, well, I was going to run because you know we needed a better mayor. Yeah. Yeah. I think there is something to be said always for. It seems like an argument that's very much grounded in your potential opponent's weakness rather than it is your strength, right? Um, you know, almost like, well, if you have to twist my arm, I guess I'll do it, right? Which is probably not a great quality to have in a potential leader anyway. Yeah, um, and, you know, Inahosa has some skins on the wall with regard to student achievement in DISD. Um, but he's got... He's got some real holes in his resume as well. Um, financial management at DISD has never been great. And under him, it has at times been borderline catastrophic. Um, it, the, I, I can tell you just from a city perspective, DISD is uh, widely considered one of the worst um, owners of real property in the city. They have they consistently cause traffic problems for neighborhoods. They consistently fail to take care of their uh, property. Their, their ham-fisted attempts to change zoning mm -hmm. for new schools or to update schools, I, I mean, it, it, they get scolded by CPC and council mm -hmm. all the time for failing to reach out to neighbors, for failing to behave like anybody else would in a zoning case where you need political approval for what you're trying to do and they act as though they are entitled to use the property however they want to and um, I, I don't know it's uh, it, it's very bizarre they they use they supposedly have a, a panel of consultants to help them with this but in reality, Master Plan is the only one who ever gets the work. Mm. Uh, some sometimes known as Disaster Plan, disaster sometimes plan. known as Master Scam. <laughs> um, rarely uh, called in, anything nice, um, and they, you know, they Master Plan has done a 
thoroughly rotten job of representing DISD. And it's hard to tell whether it's bad advice from the consultant or bad attitudes at the, uh, in the real estate department at the, mm-hmm. at the district. And it could be just, it could be both, you know, it could be birds of a feather, but, um, I don't know. I, I, uh, it drives me bananas as a taxpayer and as somebody who cares and, about. And we've given what uh, the two bond issues have, or two bonds have been, uh, bond issues have passed for DISD uh, in the recent past. Uh, and then I don't. I look at crazy things like uh, was it Thomas Jefferson was at the school that was damaged by the tornado that it was. they basically just let continue to deteriorate um, and did nothing to try and abate that. Like that's crazy. That's a that's that's an exact yeah. example yeah. of bad stewardship yeah. of their assets, and you know, I, I mean, student outcomes are number priority one, two, mm-hmm. and three, but priorities four and five are financial fucking management and stewardship you of, your, steward of your of your facilities. You know, yeah. at some point, think about it a little bit, and one thing that. I know under Inahosa's leadership, nobody's uh, key performance indicators, KPIs, KPIs for those in, involved in uh, HR speak, uh, nobody's KPIs were keyed to financial management and stewardship of assets. You know, everything was so geared toward, and Inahosa's relationship with his own board suffered from the same thing. The board only cared about student outcomes and didn't demand accountability for other things. Yeah, yeah, which is unfortunate, right, uh, on a a number of levels. But the biggest thing I think it it, it leaves his decision to not run, even if we don't know that he would have been the best mayor or best candidate, is, you know, now the mayor is without a a, a serious opponent. Um, And appears that, you know, Dallas looks to be likely to return to what has been sort of the city's status quo, um, where, you know, incumbent mayors have rarely, if ever, uh, had to face any kind of serious opposition at all uh, in their attempt to be reelected. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of money invested interest in the Robert Barons of the city wanting that status quo to be maintained. Um, well, if we're returning to the past, won't that make former master scam CEO Dallas Cockrum happy? <laughs> it will. It will. Um, which we could t- touch on that as we talk about master plan in a, in a minute. The two things I will say that I thought were interesting from uh, after he knows his decision. So the mayor went on his media tour and was on CBS 11 um, and basically says that Dallas's story has been a, quote, national success story. Um, we've done a lot of great things in the city over the last four years. I think if you ask the voters the direction the city is going, they'll say it's going in the right direction. Um, which, you know, again, and we'll go to the, the Dallas Cothran uh, piece, you know, he would almost say certainly that's not the case at all, right? Um, a reminder for folks that are thinking about running before we jump into the Cothran the op-ed, candidates for mayor and city council can start filing on January the 18th. Sounds um, right. Whatever that Monday is. Firing, filing deadline is the 17th of February, and the city's general election is slated for Saturday, May the 6th. I put up a Twitter poll, um, you know, because we can govern by Twitter polls now. Uh, and Makes uh, sense. A lot of, lot of uh, I got a lot of positive uh, feedback in my responses of whether or not I should run for mayor of Dallas. 
of the 35 people that participated in the poll, or more than 90% of them said I should uh, run for mayor. So uh, I didn't see the poll, but put me down as in favor of you running for mayor. <laughs> Uh, if Loserville listeners feel so inclined, they can, uh, you know, yeah, uh, lend their support on online for America. We need somebody to run. So we'll have to figure that out. I actually know a couple of people that I've called. <laughs> I've already been turned down by one prominent name. Damn. Damn. <laughs> Stay tuned. Things to stay tuned for. Uh, Dallas Cothram wrote a really dumb op-ed. Okay, so <clears throat> full disclosure, the reputation that <clears throat> Master Plan has built for itself was largely built under the leadership of Dallas Cothram and his father, Willie Cothram. Willie was a former uh, Dallas City Council member. Um, and um, it, even though it sounds like I have utter disdain for this company, um, I actually am friends with Dallas Cothram. Uh, enjoy talking to him. I think he got, I think it's good that he left the business because he was getting in, increasingly cranky, which we will mm. hear more about with regard to the op-ed. But I do partner with Master Plan for a couple of clients right now. And I will say that it has been taken over by my former colleague, Lee Kleinman. Mm. And I think that it is pretty obvious to those of us in the business that he has improved things. Yeah, Lee, inter Lee was always an interesting voice uh, on the city council, for sure, right? Uh, yeah. cranky, cranky and awful. And, and wrong about things sometimes. And wrong about lots of stuff. Lots of times. And man, has he ever mellowed out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, he was always, well, yeah, an interesting one to, to follow. So the editorial was uh, titled, Don't California My Texas, for those who did not read it. Um, and Dallas Cothram, this is the same one who, uh, Philip, I was doing some reading into this, uh, was behind a big group that was trying to allow fracking in city parks. Is this? Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is an old story. I don't know how much you've read about this story. Briefly today. Yeah. <clears throat> um, the, the Barnett Shale is the geologic feature that runs... Oh, from uh, Comanche County up through Tarrant County and ends um, just on the very western edge of Dallas County, uh, west and southwest edge. Mm. Um, in theory, we have access to some natural gas underneath Dallas, not much. Um, and given the price of gas over the last several years, it it has not made a lot of economic sense to to try to drill. Well, what are you talking? Gas prices are outrageous, Philip. <laughs> <laughs> They're not. <laughs> Natural gas prices um, tanked so bad. No, inflation, inflation, that, inflation. That the, uh, the, that the um, contractor that had purchased... Uh, the right to drill on Dallas-owned property, Trinity East, um, decided that instead of drilling, what they'd really rather do is just sue the city of Dallas. Their deal was done in secret. Um, uh, yeah. And it was it was completed by a man named Mark Diebner, um, 
who did not get fired or even reprimanded. In fact, he now runs the aviation department at the city of Dallas. Naturally. Um, where he has done secret deals with no. vendors at Redbird Airport. And I think that would happen. Um, so anyway, Mary Soon was the city manager at the time and she was very much involved. Um, they She hid records for a long time and then eventually was compelled to turn them over, I think basically because Scott Griggs found them. <laughs> anyway, this was, a, this was a Scott Griggs, Angela Hunt joint, and they, um, there was a famous meeting where they were reviewing the, the terms of this deal and, and, and the, that Mary had done this in secret after council had explicitly voted not to uh, allow gas drilling not to market the city's property for gas drilling and had told her not to do it. And instead of it of uh, enforcing some sort of accountability, the, the council um, took the opportunity, with the exception of Scott and Angela, to praise Mary Soom and her visionary leadership and all this. I mean, it's just, it's a terrible meeting. And my, my former colleague, Judge uh, uh, Von Seal uh, Jones-Hill, <clears throat> Um, compared Mary to, um, I think Jesus was that was wow. the, the analogy that she was drawing, and implied that Angela uh, was Pontius Pilate. It's a, yeah, interesting. All over, uh, and so and this is uh, where Catherine his editorial sort of traces his. Uh, beginning of what he feels like uh, the start of what he is, is calling Dalifornia. Um, saying, despite signing a $19 million mineral lease with Trinity East, the Dallas City Council and the divided vote denied the zoning request. This year, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals awarded Trinity East $33 million because the city had made a regulatory taking. The decision marked a shift away from a pro-business city government and towards a progressive approach. Such a paradigm change made the city more hospitable for Californians and others who wouldn't know a chicken fry from a calf fry. Uh, with his good Western... He, uh, he also made the absolutely specious claim that there's not good chicken fried steak in Dallas. Other than a Prego House? Dude, that's insane. Prego House is disgusting. Um, all good cafe. Um, like, I, I swear <laughs> to God... Um, <laughs> Uh, I think Culture Map did the 10 best chicken fried steaks in Dallas just like a few months yeah, ago. The best ones this and, at, at Italian restaurants. <clears throat> there, there are really good ones out there. What I, this just is preposterous to, well, on a number of levels, but that, you know, this shift to becoming more progressive and not allowing fracking to happen on, in like public parks seems to be. One of the drilling sites was on the golf course at uh, LB Houston Golf Course out in, in West Dallas. Like yeah. they, they, it's, I don't know if you've seen urban drilling sites like in Fort Worth. Yeah. They put up these huge fences and yeah. they have these blast blankets. Yeah. The blankets are meant to prevent yeah. neighboring properties or people from being hurt by yeah. accidents. And, you know, I... Uh, I just don't know that it's progressive to not have one of those things you know, next to the playground, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, place. we we didn't ban uh, gas drilling in Dallas. We we had a fifteen hundred foot buffer to sensitive uses. Um, so it, you know, our our ordinance isn't all. I mean, I, I helped 
get that thing across the line. I'm pretty proud of it. Um, but yeah, the, the the things that they were trying to do were just absolutely unreasonable. And I, I think I've I think I've asked for forgiveness from people for for years for my history of representing Halliburton, which I did for quite a while. Um, but one of the one of the cases I represented Halliburton on was a pretty famous uh, case out of Buffalo, Texas, where a surface line on a fracking site became energized because of an engineering failure. Um, Let's see, I was their lawyer, so I very much contend that it was not Halliburton's fault. Yes. There, there were other parties who could have fucked this up. <laughs> um, anyway, the surface line became energized. It's about a two and a half inch uh, diameter uh, steel pipe, and it whipped around like a garden hose uh, and cut a guy in half. Um, and so my primary involvement in that case was delivering large checks to his surviving daughters. daughters. Yeah. Wow. That's anyway, the, the point being fracking yeah. is not safe. Generally <laughs> um, speaking. Yes. The you know, I I I got the we went went down to Austin to try to prevent the legislature from overturning Dallas's drilling ordinance and I got the chief of uh the fire chief of Arlington, Texas to come down and testify for us in his dress uniform, which is super Ooh. impressive to say that part of the ordinance that we had passed and that Arlington also had passed was to get drilling companies to tell us what they were putting down the hole, which having represented a drilling company, I can tell you they're not excited about that mm -hmm. kind of disclosure mm -hmm. because they consider it trade secret and all this other yeah. shit. It's, it's all bunk, but whatever. Um, and so he testified that they needed all this stuff and you know the the committee didn't listen to us and the legislature voted to overturn our ordinance and not a week later they had a uh, a well accident in Arlington that caused 500 homes to be evacuated <laughs> so yeah Dallas Cothram wanted us to follow through on a secret illegal deal to, put together by people who frankly should have been prosecuted. Allow fracking. To allow fracking. And he saw that as this... Uh, yeah, beginning of the... And so his central <clears throat> thesis, right, is essentially that uh, Dallas doesn't work because, you know, the liberals have taken over and have turned Dallas into California. Um saying, you know, uh, local government uh, is slow, non-responsive, and not particularly pro-business. Um, that one I found really incredibly laughable in that. I think it would be, I don't know, to claim that Dallas's government is not pro-business is... Compared to peer cities? Yeah, to, yeah. in what way? Right? Dallas has got to be the most conservative. I would think, right? I mean, yeah, of largest cities in America... Uh, yeah, I would think that Dallas probably is the most pro-business of all of them. I think that's easily true. And other other cities have stopped giving tax incentives to Goldman Sachs, for instance. Dallas did that this last yeah, year. Correct. Yeah, uh, on desirable pieces of land. In extremely desirable pieces <laughs> of land. Um, you know, owned, so by the, could, owned by the Hunt family. So that they could develop there. Uh, otherwise, it was just going to go to disrepair. And, um, you know, so Cotham talks about, you know, the shift away from being a pro-business city government towards a more progressive approach. Um, progressive, focusing on large-scale policy issues, emphasizing strong commitment to multiculturalism and progressive social values. 
saying while the city worked to while elected leaders worked to make the city inclusive and equitable, city management at Dallas City Hall failed to provide basic municipal and customer service. Uh, so right, his I feel I kind of feel like he described what we were trying to do pretty accurately. Yeah, right. And which I was like cheering and for reading that, that is like those are not bad things, <clears throat> right? I mean, I would think it would be you know I don't know if you could have your wish list of things you would like a city. Yeah, uh, focusing on large scale issues, being multicultural, progressive social values, being inclusive and equitable are good things. Now, it would also be good if the city functioned properly right yeah i mean this is the fundamental fallacy of his piece is that yes. the two things are not connected correct and in any way and in fact we would like it you and i right would really like it if uh, you know dallas cothram and the dallas business community had something to be angry about in the city of dallas right that well the the thing is they do have something to be angry about dallas so cothram is heavily focused on permitting because yes. that's what his company did yeah. and it and does suck it does suck. And we and, gave the man in charge of it a 3% raise. And uh, his allegation that city staff continues to shirk its duties and not work hard, that is largely corroborated yeah. by yeah. a number of sources. It just has nothing to do with whether you the liberals. are in favor Correct. of paid sick leave. You know, it just doesn't have any there's no connection and i ran out of time to look into this but you know i would uh, it would be interesting to see you know did dallas come uh, is he a donor to eric johnson's campaign um i would almost certainly think his friends certainly are right if he's not his I, clients I certainly are right um and, and you know and so that's the thing that i you know it's just like yeah the dallas dallas city government could be run better None of that is due to the fact that the liberals liberals are in charge, and if they are, yeah, right. Which is just who's the most liberal member of council right now? Currently, mm. Baz. I think it's Omar. Omar, okay. it's Baz or Omar. Yeah, right. Um, and both of them have some significant flaws uh, on their resume if they want to claim to be progressive heroes. You know. Um, and I'm not saying <clears throat> I, I, that is not meant to be critical of either one of them. They made the decisions they thought were best at the time. It's just that those decisions can't all be described as progressive or liberal. That Which is correct, right? Yeah. I, I, yeah. They are far from our least favorite members of city council, certainly. No, we, we right? love them. Like them a lot. You know, and then <clears throat> I hope that. I know I say this over and over, and I hope that people believe me. When I'm critical of council, I I really do mean it when I say that the people who are on this council are some of my very favorite people in Dallas. Like I really value them, and I I know what they're going through, and I'm I'm I probably leap to defend them from unfair attacks, but I also do want them to do better. Which we, we all should want, right? And yeah, that's the the stupidity of the, the editorial is not in, you know, the thesis that things in Dallas government could be better. It's just connecting that with the liberals taking over, which the liberals haven't taken over really anything in Dallas. Man, we tried. <laughs> we really, we really <laughs> fucking tried, you know? And there was backlash. And this is one of the things that political historians know and... I don't know why I was surprised, um, but yeah, it's a you know every time you make a, a move toward a more progressive future, there is a 
um, you know, there's a reactionary backlash. Um, Donald Trump is a result of a Barack Obama. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just, yeah, part of the, yeah, part of, part of the, the cycle of life for certain other interesting things going on in Dallas. Uh, the mayor, uh, sent a city memo on the 20th of November to, or sent a memo to C.C. Brodnax, um, basically, one, touting his recent accomplishment in expanding... C.C. T.C. Brodnax. Uh, among other people. Uh, <laughs> you know, touting his own accomplishments in expanding park space in Dallas while also calling the city to not rest on its laurels. Um, saying... Did he expand park space in Dallas? I keep seeing this claim, and yeah. I'm wondering which park he's talking about. All of them. I mean, he has done everything. I don't know... The mayor's initiative on parking. So it's probably there's probably a website about it. The the four newest parks are um, Carpenter, which was already there but had a significant expansion and refurbishment. Um, Pacific Plaza, West End, and Harwood, um, and uh, I raised that money. No, the mayor did. No, I don't. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and I had to fight off developers from the land that is now Pacific Plaza. There were like six different development plans where they were trying to get that land out from under the parks department. And I mean, I, I mean, I had to stare down Royce West over this. He was involved with one of them. Mm. Well, so yeah, I'm, the, I, I I don't know, man. The, so <laughs> don't, don't take credit for my shit, dude. He uh, you know cited a, a study that that said that more than a quarter of city residents still do not have a park or trail within a ten minute walk of their home. Uh, so what he's doing basically is calling on Broadnax and the city to complete an inventory of all quote unused, underused, or vacant city owned land to determine what can be transformed into parks, playgrounds, sports courts, or possibly affordable housing. That's you know tacked on at the end, which. You know, Thank I, God he remembered it. Yeah, right. Like I, you know, I, I like parks just as much as the next person. I think they're a very important part of you know quality of life in a city. Um, of the things that I find to be the biggest issue in the city of Dallas, you know, creating more parks is not number one on the list for me currently. Uh, I think housing would probably be number one uh, in, in my basket of things that I think we need to do better on. Housing is one. Jobs is two. Yeah. Uh, transportation is three. Yeah. And they're all very neck and neck. Yeah. Um, it, it's interesting, the aforementioned Lee Kleinman, um, in 2014, maybe in 2013, maybe he did this early, early in his career, commissioned a study of uh, all of the city's, uh, all the city-owned property, so it could be determined if any of it was not being utilized properly. Mm. So... The inventory that that Mayor Johnson has loudly called for exists already. Mm -hmm. Now, very frustrating that it didn't exist when Lee called for it, because how do you have an entity that doesn't have an inventory of its own property? Uh, it, yeah, probably not a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to buy from the city a little undersized lot on Colette Street. Um that for years and years I would walk by it on our Melissa and I walk a lot and and it was always overgrown. And I would call it in and it would eventually get mowed. And finally I was like, you know what? I'd like to buy that thing and build something on it and just like put this thing back to use. Why isn't it 
you know, in production. Mm. And so um, a couple hours of research later, I discovered the city of Dallas owned it. Mm. They didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I've started that process. Real estate is supposedly slowly figuring out whether it's a surplus property that can be sold. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, yeah, you know, basically they talk about that these inventories exist. They don't all seem to be in the same place. Um, The Dallas Morning News did come out saying they think it's a good plan, though surprisingly, they were critical of the mayor's boasting about it. Um, The mayor had tweeted that Dallas is about to embark on the largest expansion of our city's parkland in a generation. Um, And they said that that claim was over the top and premature. And I, and to give him credit, Mike Rawlings also was a big proponent of this plan, but the, and so Parks for Downtown Dallas, which is the former Deckard Family Foundation, and so was Trust for Public Land, who helped helped us acquire the properties. But largest expansion of parks in a generation just happened. It's still the same generation, asshole. (laughs) Um... But, you know, yeah, looking into... Uh, was, and it, the park yeah. board has had has adopted as policy the 10-minute park for years. As that That's not new. Stamped. Yeah. Um, well... The one thing that you notice if you look at the inventory of city-owned properties is that a huge number of them are single-family lots that were um, basically condemned for taxes or for code violations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're typically in poor neighborhoods. Now, the city's done a nice job of putting those back in the market and has sold a bunch of them. But that's that's where a lot of city-owned property is. And those could be good parks. A, a, a single family lot in the middle of a neighborhood that gets turned into a little pocket park can be a very be a good cool thing, thing for a neighborhood. Yeah. But it's expensive. Expensive, yeah. and it is expensive for the parks department to take on, and so lots of little ones, all kind. Oh, yeah, mowing. So the the, right? the mayor yeah. is going to need to commit to a massive expansion of the parks department's budget yeah. if we're going to accomplish this. But on the whole, not a bad yeah plan. I mean, people like parks; they're good. Right? Houston, Houston first did this in Houston, starting about fifteen years ago, and Houston is now. Believe it or not, one of the greenest cities in America yeah. in terms of park space, yeah. and they have some beautiful new parks. Um, you know, nothing about the parks helps the weather, but whatever. It's still a lot of it, it, it was there. it was Houston when they found it. Um, my biggest fight with our park department back home was uh, over the concession stands. Uh, the concession stands were losing money, and this happened year after year after year. And I was like, how does a concession stand? lose money you know i'd have to think the profit margin on a snickers bar probably pretty high so you either have a problem where the people running the concession stand are are stealing from you right or we're ordering things that people don't want to eat or we're getting way too much of it found out that we were purchasing uh things that we were selling at session stand from like walmart instead of instead of wholesale wholesale uh yeah genius Yes. Yeah, but I enjoyed that. I'd be like, they just we just can't seem to figure figure it out. I don't know why the concession stand loses money all the time. I'm like, well, a concession stand should never lose money. 
that should be a thing that literally prints money. It should, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the other things going on. Uh, the City Plan Commission voted to send the short-term rental ban forward to City Council. We talked about that in depth in a prior episode. Um, Long-ass meeting. <clears throat> Special called meeting, long-ass meeting. I met three of the commissioners after the meeting for drinks and the very- The meeting after the meeting. Yeah. For, for very late dinner. Yeah. Um, and went over that. And, you know, you the hopefully the audience will forgive me for being partial, but um, the, the commissioners assured me that this almost three-year process of looking at uh, STR regulation was moved forward by uh, Melissa uh, putting forward a resolution to define uh, single-family zoning as not including lodging uses, which STRs we think are. So they very much, it's not just me, they very much credit yeah. her with being the dynamite that finally well, and her editorial right over the summer probably also a uh, big driver in what, you know, sort of the city. I, I think it seems pretty clear that if you kind of read the tea leaves, the city or, or folks on the planning commission realizing the city is just so bad at regulating things that they just should not be in the business of trying to figure it out or can't be because they just can't do it. Or we need to or or. We need to get better at it, but the, they don't believe that that's about to happen, and I don't see any initiative in that way. And the other thing about it is that just the 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 presentations, which you any any of our listeners can go look at on uh, the Plan Commission's website. Um, uh, it's also been briefed to Quality of Life Committee at City Council. Uh, I think it also got briefed to the Economic Development Committee at City Council. You can look at any of this stuff and see the data that city staff is pushing, and no one believes any of it because and they can't cite sources. We know what the sources of data there are out there for them, and they consistently are... Um, making statements contrary to what other people in these uh, in the industry or in businesses that study the industry are saying all right you yet yeah, you're interesting I, I thought your your tweet starting about it was interesting um, from last week but that you know basically the city never really was able to put together good data on how many short-term rentals exist how many problems there are attributed to them you know, how much hotel occupancy tax we lose out on as a result of their existence um, and what effect they have on, on housing prices, right? Or, or how many there are. Or, yeah, right. Which They don't know the numerator or the denominator of the ratios that they're telling um, the public are, you know, kind of ironclad scientific data. And that's the thing, you know, I struggle with this a lot as it relates to the, the housing element in that it seemed like that was the, well, that to me is the most compelling argument as to why we should ban them and almost no one made that argument. Well, it's really weird. Uh, Melissa made the argument. I think um, Lori Blair may have made the argument, yeah. but city staff made a counter argument. Correct. Which Saying was, that they're an important part. Yeah, I don't understand that. That they're an important part of the housing mix. So yeah, David, David Noyera yeah. is the director of the housing department, and 
admitted to not having been involved in any of the STR research or discussions. Which, if that's true, probably is pretty <clears throat> awful. But then was trotted out to say, we need these as part of our housing solution. I don't understand that at all. There, well, he had no explanation. And it's a... Uh, so somebody, the, the backstory on this, which we will, do not know all of the details of and maybe never will, <clears throat> somebody at City Hall wants these to remain completely unregulated um, and is really pulling strings to get staff to do something like, like what Noguera testified to at the hearing is, is, is laughable. You know, and to get a career bureaucrat like that to go present misinformation, that's normally kind of a trick. Like, you, that, that's hard to do. I can't understand why staff would be carrying water for whoever it is that wants to keep SDRs exactly the same. So the vote of CPC was nine to four uh, because uh, there are two vacancies on uh, the city plan commission, which also seems to be problematic. So district four and district seven do not have representatives on the plan commission, which I know plan commission, uh, probably the most important board that the city and second place is not close. Right, by a lot. Um, and there didn't used to be vacancies on that board ever. So that's bad. The four folks voting against it were the chair, Tony Shadid, District 5 appointee, the vice chair, Brent Rubin, Mayor Johnson's appointee, Tipton Housewright. Well, and keep in mind, the chair is District 5's representative, but he's chair because the mayor put mayor him there. Point, okay. Um, Tipton Housewright from District 10 and Brandy Treadway from District 11, um, which we, we were talking earlier. That's, I don't know, if I had to pick parts of the city that hated short-term rentals more than others, uh, District 10 and 11 would probably be high on the list. And there were speakers there from Districts 10 and 11 saying, please, please get you know, rid of these. They're not democratically elected folks, so the Plan Commission doesn't have to answer to their voters, right? But... Uh, does seem odd that that they would have voted against it. Um, I didn't get a sense, a great sense from the reporting about it. You know what their main concerns were about it, or why they voted against it. Uh, I would encourage people to listen. Specific tip had tip is basically his his motivation. I would simply describe as being pro business. Okay. Um, I think he's. I, I I've known Tip a long time. I think he's basically honest. Um, and I think that he's, he just honestly believes that these are valuable and they should remain in single family neighborhoods. Yeah. Uh, Ms. Treadway, I would encourage people to go watch the video. Um, and if you can determine what her true motivations were, I, I will pay a reward. <laughs> well, and, you know, and I remember at the beginning of this sort of debate, there were some folks, um, Baz might have even been one of them that was talking about, you know, the importance of short-term rentals as passive income for folks that are in low-income neighborhoods. Well, yeah, and make no mistake, Baz is certainly um, pro-short-term rental. Yeah. Um, and he's trying to make the argument, which I don't think really holds up, that banning them in single-family is racist. racist. Yeah, yeah. Right, that's his his qualm. And again, District 7 doesn't have somebody on the plan commission, so there could have been more votes against it. His um, He appointed somebody who I thought was very promising, um, who and I reached out to to say, hey, if you, you know, 
if you want a quick and dirty primer on what this thing does and what what to watch for and he you know i never heard from the guy and apparently nobody else did either because he skipped so many meetings he got automatically disqualified from cpc it's not a good thing uh fort worth and arlington already banned short-term rentals in single-family residential areas not exactly uh fort worth did arlington did an interesting thing arlington defined a rectangle roughly surrounding what it called its entertainment area. Okay, I remember us talking about that. That's um, right, yeah. And it does include single-family neighborhoods. Um, so it's an interesting way to do it. Um, I wouldn't do it that way. That's not, how, that's not how I would do it. But one of the smartest guys um, in this debate uh, is a lawyer who used to be general counsel for... Um, the airline technology company. What? Why am I blanking on this? I'll think of it in a second. Very, a very uh, big company, and he's a super smart guy. I've talked to him, and he was behind the Arlington deal. So, whatever there, yeah. it, it has held up. And those two ordinances both have been reviewed by the Fort Worth Court of Appeals which is a much more conservative court of appeals, pro-business court of appeals, yeah. and upheld by, by that okay, court. Well. Um, and the Supreme Court has only been asked to review one of them, I think, and it declined. And the ledge is not done. And nobody has filed a bill yet yeah. this session. I haven't seen a yeah. lot of movement on this issue. I think that... The state is kind of inclined, the state and the courts are kind of inclined to let cities chart their own Which course. Which is always a refreshing thing. It's kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, it seems, so what happens next uh, it goes on to city council. Um, I think we sort of talked this through the, the last episode, but it, it seems likely, I don't know, they will probably choose one of three paths-ish or so, right? You know, one, uh, uh, updating the laws to allow them in owner-occupied houses that would be only in owner-occupied spaces um, i think there was enough debate about that at cpc i i, I think that that is illegal to we, treat them differently yeah we 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 treat we have we we have passed an ordinance with regard to um accessory dwelling units garage apartments that has an owner occupancy requirement and i do not think it's enforceable at all um, I think that there's a serious privileges and immunities clause problem with that. And uh, the city attorney who was at the hearing, I don't think he agrees with me, but he did agree that it was a risk to the enforceability of that kind of a provision. Second one being uh, sort of establishing more robust registration and penalties for them, maybe an enforcement it, mechanism. It's a, yep, maybe. Or just getting rid of them altogether. Right, I don't think I don't think a total ban is on the table, and that's or not what areas, I guess. Right, but well, what CPC sent forward was a ban in R code um, neighborhoods, which are single, single family, family detached neighborhoods, and multifamily. Uh-huh. Uh, so the MF designations, which don't include a townhouse. Yeah. If I'm remembering this correctly, I'm working from yeah. memory, but I yeah. think that's what they did. 
My, I've always contended for the last two and a half years that council knows exactly what it wants to do. And what it wants to do is ban them in the R codes and in, in no other place. And have some credible tax collection strategy. Which they have thus far been unable to do. Well, it's very bizarre. You just have to negotiate with the platforms um, and get them to collect the tax and send it back to you. Just as the platforms do in Plano. They do this. Plano's not losing hotel occupancy tax from its short-term rentals. But they, yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, what, so would the council take this up? Like probably. They're going to wait until January. They'll wait until the new year, right? They only have one more meeting this year. And in fact, the other thing that, that could happen is they might send it back through quality of life or economic development oh, for another study it committee again. briefing. Mm, briefings. Um, before bringing it to full council. It depends on uh, who is behind trying to keep STRs unregulated. Speaking of fun things that have gone to steady committees for years and years and years. <laughs> fun updates on two of them. Scooters appear closer to making their comeback. On December the 2nd, city staff unveiled their report recommendations um, for the scooters to return. Um, I enjoyed reading that memo from the city about this where they talked about the safety demonstrations that we required these vendors to go through. And looking at how their geofencing worked and stopping and starting and warnings. And they made them come and demonstrate at City Hall. Yeah. I want I wish I would have known that that was happening. And I hope that there is video footage of this taking place because this seems to be there are one point three million people in Dallas, <laughs> Tyler. You have one guess as to who sent the open records request for any recordings of that test. Uh, you. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, well, hopefully we get an answer to that because I would love to see love to see those tests. The, I mean, the, the least of which of this is just every other city in America has figured out, you know, how to do this. You know, why we would feel the need to have them go through these strange safety demonstrations seems kind of crazy to me um this one i don't even think is a conspiracy it, yeah this is this is hanlon's razor never ascribed to yeah. malice that which can be adequately explained by incompetence yeah. this is a bizarre mixture of politicians listening to a very loud tiny minority yeah um and a city staff that could never be bothered to dig in and learn the issue. You think about that. Well, especially, I guess, because the whole reason we banned them had nothing to do with their stopping and starting ability. It was because of, you know, all of the crime that they created. Yes. Yeah, the, that's what I was led to believe. The, the, the <clears throat> Deep Elm is a very special part of the city for me. I, it's where I spent m many formative hours. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... I will say that the current crop of advocates from Deep Ellum are horrible. I mean, they are just some of the worst. They they are 
they're the most fly off the handle neighborhood. And you would you would think that a fly off the handle neighborhood would be like one of these old school single family neighborhoods. Oh my yeah. god, the deep Elm people are lunatics. Yeah. The yeah. So um but yeah, but all of these studies being about these stopping and starting and none of them about, you know, all of the shootings that were targeted or done by, perpetrated by roving games. Yeah, the, the, the scoot by shootings yeah. that we were plagued with. Yeah. Which, as you point out, one I, one did happen, but, you know, you have to have your credit card information tied to... Oh, that, it wasn't scooter. a shooting. It was just a, it was just straight, a, up a straight up robbery. Yeah. Okay. Nobody, well, nobody got shot. Well. Now, I've seen Dallas um, Firefighter Association personnel tweet or otherwise put into social media that there was a rash of um, uh, emergency room visits related to scooter crashes. Uh. And we actually studied that back when we were, when we first had bikes and scooters. And that's not true. Not true. Huh? Not true. Uh, thank you, Dallas firefighters. Please stop your fucking <laughs> gossip. Uh, other interesting long things. Leave, that, leave the gossip to the cops where it belongs. We studied for a long time in Dallas that maybe moving closer to a resolution of the the leaf blower update. So city staff and, a, and a, an editorial. It yeah. actually drew an editorial, right? So city staff seems to be moving forward on plans to phase out the use of gas powered tools for city departments, contractors, businesses, and residents by either twenty twenty seven or twenty thirty. Um, we are naturally hiring a consulting group to help flesh out the transition plan because uh, if you can't pay consultants to do things like that, you know. Uh, the city estimated it would cost $6.5 million to fully convert more than 5,400 pieces of gas-powered municipal equipment and estimated the cost for residents and businesses of the switch to be $23 million. Um, and they didn't say one word about the anticipated life of these no pieces of equipment they did not so the th the actual cost to the city will be zero dollars well and not to mention right the, the the estimated reduction of emissions uh of eleven thousand six hundred sixty five metric tons of carbon dioxide um well and the 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 co2 emissions of course, we all care about carbon emissions. That's the global warming issue. The more acute issue with two-stroke motors is localized pollution in the form of volatile organic compounds yeah. and carbon monoxide. Um, and the uh, smog-producing uh, effects of those and and all the other stuff it can do to you. There's, there, in terms of those very dangerous local pollutants, a two-stroke motor is significantly worse than an F-150. So in the, right in the, the cities, uh, talked about basically the cities, if the city were to switch to them, that would be the equivalent of taking 2,500 gas-powered cars off the road. Um, and for residents and business owners, the equivalent would be 73,000 cars off the road of this switch. Now, shockingly, uh, as you tease, the editorial board of the Dallas Morning News uh, came out against this plan, um, also saying, don't California my Texas, I think, in the process. Um, but basically saying they were all for the city doing it, but that the damn city has no business telling private people what they can do in their homes. Um, 
Now, you know, the Dallas Morning News editorial board also okay with politicians telling women what they can do, you know, in their, their bodies. Uh, but it's, uh, <laughs> it has an interesting track record. I just want consistency. You know, that's, you know, I, you know, I just wish people could be consistent on that front. They didn't, the Morning News editorial board during the <clears throat> 60s was, believe it or not, even way worse than today. Yeah, well, um, yeah. And they didn't quite come out on the side of Lee Harvey Oswald, but just about. <laughs> it's, um, other interesting uh, pieces of news, um, just to go through quickly. So um, there was an interesting article from The Observer about Edward Sebesta giving a binder to counsel, basically saying, hey, you have all these folks do invocations before city council meetings, and a lot of them have really awful views specifically about anti uh, LGBTQ LGBTQ issues yeah and uh and he's absolutely right about this I when I was on council I would not enter the chamber until the invocation was over and Sandy Grayson my great colleague from the far north part of our city would join me we would hang out and wait for the goddamn invocation to be over you know I uh, again I do go to church all the time I'm in favor of people praying in general uh, I've never been in favor of prayer before public meetings. Just did not, I don't know, it feels like a thing that we just don't need to be doing. The, it, it has an interesting legal history. It goes back over 100 years to a, a Supreme Court case that essentially established the idea of civil religion yes. in the United States yeah. and the, uh, the solemnizing of proceedings through a, it was supposed to be, a non-denominational prayer right yeah um and that is one of the things that ed pointed out ed, ed's a, a guy i've known for a long time he's uh he's a historian he also happens to be a member of the lgbtq community um so he he very much gives a shit about this yeah. he was a he was an absolute stalwart on removing confederate monuments and names did a lot of the historical research for us mm. on that so he's mm-hmm. he's a real public servant mm-hmm. Um, but this one's, I think, great because we shouldn't be having these invocations at all. Um, and if we are going to have them, then they need to not be so Jesus-y for one thing. I always looked over at Lee Kleinman when these things were going on and he's, you know, trying to act respectful while people are praying to Jesus right in front of him. Yeah. You know, and it, it's just not fair. It's not It's not what a public institution ought to be about. So, I don't know. I really appreciate uh, Ed for, for doing this. Um, and I, I think it's going to gain traction. You know, he called out the members of the uh, council who had introduced these people. And so... Ba- our friend Baz was one of them, yeah. and Baz said he had no idea what this guy was about, but because the guy's church was in his district, the mayor's office had asked him to introduce the guy. Yeah. So that's how that is working. Well, Tristan, once you know the mayor has no uh, no involvement in... Okay, but who does? So Tristan Tristan said it came from staff, city right? Staff. Yes, city staff. Did he... Well, but did he mean mayor's office staff or did he mean no. city management staff? It's not staff? the mayor. It's not the mayor. He could do and no so wrong. who compiles these lists? Who picks these people? We don't know. And none of the fucking journalists who supposedly covered the story seem to have asked the question. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was uh, I found that to be to be really interesting. I understand that nobody wants to be left holding the hot potato or the hand grenade, whatever you know, whatever imagery you want. Yeah, um, but. Somebody picked these people. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, I don't know, the easiest thing, sometimes, you know, taking ownership of mistakes is okay, right? Uh, well, I mean, the thing that I've discovered is that oftentimes taking sincere ownership of mistakes and creating a credible apology and plan for improvement Sometimes that actually gets you more yeah, people like credibility yeah, people than if you like than that. if you had never fucked up in the first place. Though narcissists have a really hard time doing, you know, that. So don't attack me. <laughs> uh, other interesting two other quick things before our, our sort of solemn note to close the show. So there was another uh, interesting article from the Observer um, uh, that cited a, a study basically that Dallas is one of the worst cities in the country when it comes to spending a disproportionate amount of money on the prison industrial complex as compared to the amount of systems of community care. Um, this will not be changing anytime soon. No, uh, because crime is a huge problem, but also not a problem. Because, and we solved it. And we solved it, and you should reelect the mayor because he solved it. But we also need to have more police. Yeah, um, I still don't understand that one. The other none of, none of us understand. The, the other funny of the week: the South Lake Rotary Club was stopped from distributing dictionaries to South Lake school children. I know this is a Dallas podcast, but occasionally, you know, we like no, to, no, 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 no. This is a this is a local local politics, politics podcast, podcast focused on the metro metroplex. Place. And so funny. Yes. And in fact, we really need to update. Uh, we we did a Fort Worth episode a long time ago when. TC was on the, ah, the pod, yeah. and we need to we need to update people What's on going on in, goings on in Fort Worth. Fort Worth. So the interesting one in South Lake, the Rotary Club uh, has apparently for thirty years given out diction, dictionaries to school children in Carroll ISD. It seems like maybe it's a little outdated a practice, but what a wholesome thing to do, right? And uh, they have been stopped from doing that because because wholesome the school board has not been able to review uh, you know to to study the contents of the dictionary um, under the new ordinance that they had had passed this last year with regard to materials that are distributed in they're going to read the dictionary That's well, what you're telling me and so i, I think uh, as sort of i was thinking about this i don't know if it's going to be like the, a version of the slave bible but if you take the dictionary and get rid of words like racism equity diversity abortion inclusion Abortion, right? Uh, maybe that's what the, they'll come up with, right? From that is sort of uh, if we get rid of all, you know, uh, what's social emotional learning. I saw that was one of the the things that folks in in there, county were. There are about. many terrible things in the dictionary. <laughs> uh, Fornication is right in. Well, there. they'd have I've to get seen yeah, it. That, they'd have to get rid of. I mean, all of those references. They, there's all kinds of bad stuff. So maybe that's what's coming from that. Is Carolina Steve will issue their own. Own dictionary. There's pedophilia and an alternate spelling. <laughs> the A before yeah. A before E. Um, so you know, I never want to miss a chance to laugh at South Lake. So you know, I, I saw that today and, and thought we should include it. I think if I'm remembering correctly, I've not updated my knowledge of their um, city council recently, but I um, worked. For a number of years at a law firm with Sean McCaskill, uh, who's still at that firm, and I believe he has been on the South Lake City Council for six or eight years. 
There you go. Yeah. I thought often about calling him to find out how how he's enjoying it. That's his time there. Yeah, the people there seem great. <clears throat> I mean, they're great people. Mm -hmm. uh, sad news of the week. Um, Anna Casey passed away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A longtime political consultant, successful campaign manager for lots of the progressive folks on the city council, passed away last week at the age of 61. Uh, had been poised to work on the Hinojosa campaign, um, but apparently had been in failing health and passed away last week. Uh, I only got to know Anna through involvement on your campaign. Obviously, you have a much longer track so record. The weird, so the weird thing about her is she's um, second-generation Latina. I believe both of her parents were born in the United States, but I think none of her grandparents were. And they were little Mexico residents, and then they she grew up uh, in a section of town that a lot of us call Madronoville, um, <clears throat> where, pardon me, where um, Pancho Madrano, Adam's grandfather, bought basically an entire city block over... Um, I think the actual name of the neighborhood might be Maple Springs, but whatever, it's Madronoville. And the her maiden name was Viasana. And pardon me. The Viasanas and the Madranos lived next door to each other, and the Viasanas were always part of making the Madranos politically successful. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the how she grew up. She grew up with Pancho Madrano, the er Latino activist of Dallas and huge labor organizer, um, really important guy. And uh, <laughs> I don't know, she uh, in a lot of my life, I've been the person in the room with maybe the best political sense not always i've had many mentors over the years who taught me a lot of shit um but i didn't realize what i didn't know until i met on so the thing i was interrupted you to say is that her dad gave her an english spelling of her name but she demanded that it be pronounced <laughs> Like the Spanish Anna. Uh, so anyway, that's that's that deal. So I don't know. I uh, had a rough week. Um, she got sick in 2019 when we were working on Scott's campaign and my little stupid campaign. And, um, you know, we honestly, we were all terrified because we knew that... Um, if people perceived that Anna wasn't at full strength, they would be more inclined to challenge us. Uh, and that was true. Um, so we kind of kept that as secret as we could during that period of time. Uh, she <clears throat> was really bad off um, and had a hard time coming back. And then what we have learned is ultimately, it you know, she didn't come back. She, she, she had cancer back then. 
Uh, it came back aggressively, including, uh, well, I don't need to violate all of her HIPAA rights, <laughs> which do in fact live on beyond your, your life. You're entitled to have all that stuff be uh, privileged. But um, I don't know, man. She uh, She's by far the best political mind in Dallas of the last 20 or so years. You could say, and she would say, that before that it was Rob Allen, um, the founder of Allen Media, who no longer does political stuff. But um, yeah, man, uh, as of last week, nobody in Dallas really understands its politics. I do a little bit and not, not as much as she did. Yeah. Huge hope. Um, the thing I know I had uh, in meeting her through your campaign, I enjoyed uh, teasing her about was the article. I don't can't remember if it was in D Magazine. They had done a profile about her. Oh God, she hated it. It called so her like much. a, a sh- the shadowy woman, and I was like, what a what like, oh, just a ridiculous things to say about people. Just she was like, well, she was very private, is the thing, and people yeah. every now and then would talk her into against her instincts into being public into answering questions or yeah. being she didn't want to be the story she wanted her candidates to do the the work of media and all that stuff and she was an absolutely brilliant media advisor yeah. like she was fantastic on the numbers and on the mail and on the messaging and all that stuff but in getting the media in this town to do her bidding I mean, this is part of why certain members of the media here say nasty things about her, because they got played like a goddamn fiddle, you know, and nobody likes that. Um, But, you know, if they were a little bit more honest, they would they would note that she gave them more content than anybody else. So I don't know, man, I'm I'm obviously not fully through this, but. I just, I really wish I could give people the experience of working with Anna. Um, She said things that are not wholly original to her, but that were employed in a way that turned my mind around about a lot of things in politics. And she would repeat this stuff over and over. Um, She firmly believed that that the thing that made everything else possible was heart. She absolutely felt like if you had the heart for helping people that you could be successful. All the other stuff she could coach up, whatever. And man, we don't hear those messages enough anymore i think um i don't know i heard i listened to tc talk about her today and um he said that you know tc often is um underestimated by people um and treated really badly by some of his employers and he talked about how much it meant that anna saw value in him and i feel that way too it really it's uh it sucks. Yeah, yeah. She will definitely be definitely be missed. A huge, huge, uh, 
loss for the city of Dallas uh, and for folks that care about making the city a better place. Um, she'll definitely be missed. Two things that she said that I think everybody can use are, and again, not totally original to her, just deployed at the right time in the right way. Um, we don't do anything good alone and nothing easy is worth doing. Yeah, amen. Sometimes you would phrase it as everything worth doing is difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Those good words to end on, I would say. All right, let's get dinner. I won't cry. <laughs>